Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. So excited to be here. Um, and with his, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez, yeah, and we welcome back Thomas P. Dorian. Present. Uh, how was it, by the way? It was awesome. Was it? <laughs> Dude, yeah, you were, you were herding cats kittens. on the moon or kittens. I'm sorry, yes. on the moon. So that's Man, awesome. Have you ever tried to herd kittens? No, tried but, on the moon. So did, were you able to use like sort float? of like a, a net, like a like a kit, like a butterfly net, but bigger? You know, like a kitten sized one. No, man, I can imagine these kittens all. You know, like the gravity is really it's light there. Right? They're just floating everywhere they're going. They're floating. Well, anyway, it's good okay. to have you back. It's I want to see how you back. segue this one. I'm not going to segue. We're just going to start talking about the Decalogue for evangelization. <laughs> How's that for a segue? Sounds great. So, obviously, we're in the middle, or sort of the, sort of the beginning of this series mm-hmm. of shows, the Decalogue for evangelization. Bullet number two. Yeah, we're on number two. We're mm-hmm. on the second uh, principle Fantastic. for evangelization. Yes. Now, I will say, just want it for those who are like, going, what? What did <laughs> I miss? You know? They missed one and the beginning. Yeah, so um, there, we've done a couple of shows now to sort of introduce this, mm-hmm. um, but I have come up with 10 basic principles that I use when I evangelize, when I minister to people, right. uh, that I have found to be the most successful for me. Mm-hmm. You might have different idea and might have some other ideas to add to this or take away, whatever, but uh, of those 10, uh, I'll just run through them quickly. Number one, know Jesus and make him known. Number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. That's what we'll talk about today. Number three, live for the future in the present, informed by history. Number four, back to the basics. Number five, make it relevant. Number six, collaborate to accomplish great things. Number seven, teach a man to fish. Number eight, salvation is born of the family. Number nine, it takes it makes a difference to this one. And number ten, there is a God and I am not him. No so, screaming or threatening. No, there's no screaming or threatening in there. Um, you now, if you want to have like a baker's dozen, you know, I imagine there's some commandments that, in there. that Moses like didn't. He didn't share with the general population. They're, Lord, they're not ready for this. You know, right. maybe we have a few others that we would uh, we would add in here. But I, I think these top ten things. And again, we're not going to go through each what each one means. Uh, go to that first show about Decalogue for evangelization to mm-hmm. be able to. To see this and kind of get a, a brief introduction to all this whole concept. So, in um, like principle number two, meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. So, if we're evangelizing, mm-hmm. we are sharing the good news. We are, and 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 that's what essentially um, evangelizing is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Sharing the good news. Um, and so, I think a lot of times people make uh, one basic core mistake in that is to assume that they're right the other person's wrong and that you come from a position on high right and then you want some kind of like look if i just say this they're just going to accept it a magic bullet yeah so here it is you know and i and i think that some of our uh, reformed brothers and sisters who uh, learned their scriptures have learned that maybe there's some some key bible verses that you might be able to learn and once you learn that then you're going to trip up a catholic and you're going to be able to let them see the truth and there's like mm-hmm. this idea that like this sort of instant gratification this instant success 
will happen. And it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't. It, it may stir some things up, plant some seeds. And some people may go, you know what, I, I agree with you. And then there's this sort of like flame of the Holy Spirit thing where you just have this instant conversion. But it doesn't always last. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the gotcha moments then. And that's right. Exactly right. It's not about the gotcha moments. So in evangelization, I have found it to be very, very um, helpful um, to meet people where they are. Right to 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 let's all agree that everyone's not the same, really? and, and I and and let's let's not state immediately and out front. See that guy over there? He's a sinner. Mm-hmm. That person over there. So first problem with that is we've judged and said that guy over there is a sinner. But the second thing that's inherent to that conversation is that guy over there. So there becomes this instant kind of they're over there. Yeah. Well, if you're going to versus us, right? And if you're going to meet people where they are, that means I have found it helpful to go where they are, right? Well, it, and, it's, and it seems kind of obvious, it does. but but it's like you go where they are, and, and I, I think about uh, uh, Jesus in the Bible, where so often in his public ministry he went into the bad neighborhoods, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that we should all like. Honey, cover me. I'm going in. You know, uh, it's not so much that as, but to be where the people are, mm-hmm. and what that would mean is that people who are living in sin to be where they are. I know that sounds weird, but to people who are living in um, um, bad situations, to be where they are, to be with them, to be in their presence, is a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. Jesus used it. Um, as an opportunity to to gain their trust, right? To gain, to, so they were like, "Wow, you 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 came here to me, right?" And that that is a profound thing. Now, the key to this, though, is that you you you've got to balance this. So so you don't want to judge when you meet people where they are. You, you're not judging them, but at the same time, you can't back away from the truth, right? Right, so when I'm talking to, um, we'll just say my millennial children, right? We'll just use them as an example. Um, they they will talk to me because they know I love them, and I'd do anything for them. I'd die for them. I, I tell them that. I, they know that. They believe that their mom and I love them, and so they will listen to me because what they're what they're not thinking is, Dad just wants to be victorious. Dad just wants to win. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I go to where they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like sit with them. And when I say go to where they are, it's not always like the physical process. Right. It's not like I'm going to the You're bar or hanging out. spiritual journey. Yes. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm like going to go and, and, and be present to them. Right. And, and, and engage them in a conversation. So if it's about politics and we would have a different idea about what was right, what was wrong, what was good, what was bad, I would go like, well, well, help me understand where you are. And that involves listening, mm-hmm. and I, which is probably the first thing that most people don't do when they evangelize. Well, if we have in the Bible, you know, it's better to give than to receive. In a conversation, who's the bigger giver? The one who's speaking the whole time or the one who's listening right. the whole time? No, absolutely. Um, and, and the idea of listening... That, that is something where you're meeting people where they are. Mm. But again, I want to reiterate, 
uh, I'm not going to go in and, and sort of encourage them in whatever behavior they're doing or whatever thought process they have that might be sinful or that be uh, is identified. But the first thing I'm not doing is walking in, sinners, sinners, and I'm pointing my finger. Right. It's, it's, and and what, what does that what does that do? Well, right. Those people are going to have anything to do with you. Exactly. Well, yeah, you're not saying meet people where they are and leave them where they are. You know, meet them where they are. God only gives us enough light to see our next step. And mm-hmm. so you got you might be a part of their next step. Uh, and we don't know what that is until we actually encounter them and get to know where their current steps have been. So uh, I, I know we all have these popular catchphrases and stuff out there. You know, I, the number of times my kids have done the okay boomer thing to me. You know, I'm a baby boomer. And it's like, okay boomer, you know, whatever I say. Um, so I put it right back to him and I say, at least I'm not a snowflake, you know. So so we have a good conversation. Um, but, you know, I, I realize that, that right now people are hypersensitive about everything. Yeah. So this idea of, of that first interaction, that first interaction needs to be one of trust, of loving, of mercy, of non-judgment, um, and listening. And if it's not, you've lost them. Right. Right? Doesn't mean that you have to go in there and say, hey, I agree with your lifestyle. I agree with your choices. Doesn't mean you have to say that. You, but you do have to go in there and say, so tell me about your lifestyle. Tell me about your choices. What, what, are, what are you doing? And, and how are you doing it? Right? Well, just know that, like, I'm here and I would give my life for you. Right. I, I want to walk with you. And, and that right there is a, is a huge way to build that relationship and build that trust. They'll listen. I think. Have you told them that specifically that you would give your life for them? My kids? Yeah, yeah, I have. I told every one of them that. that. Now, um, I probably need to remind them every once in a while. I mean, Mm because it's like something that, like, now you realize I would die for you, Mm -hmm. but I ain't giving you the twenty bucks you just asked for. (laughs) You know, um, that's a whole different different story. And it's like I'm not, I'm not. So the the point of this is uh, is not that you are going to condone a behavior or a thought, right? But what you're going to do is you're not going to judge them for it because that's not your job to judge them. You, you can identify sin and identify problems, but how you address that is huge. Mm-hmm. And so this concept of meeting people where they are and then journeying with them, that's huge. That whole journeying thing, I get that from uh, uh, my experience in, in corporate America where frequently you would go into a conference room, sit at the big conference room table, and the people who sat on this side would be on this side and the people sat on that side would be on that side and there'd be at least two sides to some decision making process mm-hmm. and of course the other side was always wrong and, and so what I learned to do was to get up from my side and to walk to their side to try to understand you know put on their shoes try to understand what they were they were thinking and why and where that came from and when I did that and gained their trust I was able then to walk them to the side that I thought to be right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about victory. It was about uh, journeying. It was about accompanying them to what, I, what I've known, especially in my spiritual life, to know to be true. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to evangelize. It's my job to share that truth with people. But the reality is sharing it from on high, it doesn't work. Yeah, it's, it work. hadn't worked for me. No. Shouting it from the mountaintops, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, you know, go tell it on the mountain. But the reality is if they're not going to receive it, right. then I'm just going to get hoarse shouting. Yeah, and, and you're going to get an okay boomer. 
<laughs> you exactly. are. You're one right. thing. One thing that comes to mind is the parable of the prodigal son. That when the son was finally making his way back home, the father caught sight of him while he was still far off. And so, as I'm listening to you, what it what I'm hearing in my heart is that those people who may not have their eyes on God, that we meet, need to give them the experience of awakening to the fact that our father's gaze has always been on them mm-hmm. and let us be those eyes and let us be that heart that is ready to welcome them back to the father. And that's a good transition because we're going to welcome people back after we take a break hey! on this. Yes, we're on the, we're on the, uh, the, our, our second principle here in the Decalogue for evangelization. That is meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. Um, before we take a break, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And like us on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter. Like and share our posts and comment on them. It makes a difference. Awesome. So, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Monica is a North African saint who has inspired millions of Catholics to pray and hope for their family members who have fallen away from or who have never even approached the Church of Christ. She was married at an early age to a man of her parents' choosing. Her spouse was a pagan man with a secure income and an exalted position within the community. Unfortunately, he lacked integrity and basic virtue. He was unfaithful to their marital vows and abusive. A biographer of St. Monica's wrote, She knew, she saw, but she kept quiet and suffered in silence. She prayed and probably wept, but realized that the religion of the pagans condoned great moral degradation. Like so many women of her time, she had nowhere in the world to turn. So instead, she turned heavenward to the help of the Almighty. And help he did. St. Monica was so well known for her deep inner peace and holiness that she began to counsel other women who had unfaithful and wayward husbands. Because of her great witness to the love of Christ in her own life, her husband eventually renounced sin and became a Christian. He died soon after his conversion and left St. Monica with her children. One of her children was the famous St. Augustine of Hippo, who had completely renounced the Christian faith of his upbringing and was living a dissolute life. The saintly woman prayed, encouraged, and pleaded with her son, like any good mother is apt to do. She followed him from their home in North Africa to Rome, and finally to Milan. St. Monica prayed to God on her son's behalf for many, many years. She never lost hope, and she never stopped praying. After many turbulent years in the lives of both St. Monica and St. Augustine, her prayers were answered. St. Augustine is now one of the greatest and most revered fathers and doctors of the Church. Many of our stories are not as dramatic as St. Monica's or St. Augustine's, but we can all learn from her persistence and filial love. Family and friends have left or avoided the loving arms of the church for many and various reasons, but they all come back for the same reason, 
the experience of Christ's powerful love. St. Monica is a great witness to this love of Jesus Christ. Her persistence and gentle patience are a roadmap for our own lives and conversions. St. Monica's feast day is August 27th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. There's Deacon Jeff. No, he's right there. I promise you. <laughs> and uh, also, uh, Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Yes. And Thomas P. Dorian. Aye, aye. And we're talking about the Decalogue for Evangelization. Uh, this is principle number two. Meet people where they are and journey with them to where they are called to be. So, um, you know, I, there, we, we have some more thoughts about this. I, I think that uh, I think will help when people are evangelizing mm-hmm. and the importance of meeting people where they are and then journeying with them. One of those things I was going to mention is that it, in that is mentioned the word journey. Mm-hmm. And and we we can talk in a minute about why it's important to journey with them. But I do also want to talk about the word journey, and and uh, and help people understand that you know the old adage Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Um, that instant gratification. You know, it may work with pudding, right? <laughs> but it but it doesn't work with evangelization, right? So the the key here is is it takes time. So you're saying that with this journey, they should that don't that don't stop believing. That's right. Oh, the, I see what you did there. Hey! <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, right. Don't stop. Oh no, we're not going to sing journey. We're not doing journey. Um, uh, but so this idea that that you're you're not you're not wanting something or not waiting for something that happens immediately, right? You're right. not expecting an immediate result. Right. I mean, it'd be nice. If you push a button, all of a sudden it's like, look, all the little disciples that we just created. Bing, bing, bing. Every time you hear a bing, you know, teacher says every time I hear a bell ring, an angel gets its wings. Uh, you know, you just, you, you, you it's not going to work that way. No, it's not going to work that way. Right. You know, one thing to keep in mind is it's not you who's ultimately doing the work if you're doing it well. Yes. It's God. And how does True. God work? Watch a flower grow. You know, you look at a flower growing, it looks like nothing's happening, but at the quantum level, you know, an uncountable amount of things are happening and going on. And, you know, you could go to a flower and you could try and rip it open, but that's not going to help accelerate the process. It's just going to tear up the flower. You're not going to, yeah. only through time and letting God work in his way, and only he uniquely can, which, which requires way more than just you. You know <laughs> exactly right, and I guess we we is that goes unsaid in, in this sort of decalogue for evangelization is this is not you. <laughs> I mean, it really isn't. I mean, essentially, it's the um, Holy Spirit, right? It's in the Holy Spirit's utilizing you. You you become a conduit for the Holy Spirit and His work, and for for God's glory. This is that's what this is all about, and that, that that's a given. I think that's in all of this. Again, these are just principles that I found that I have found to be beneficial to me, and how yeah. how I think it's worked better in my situation. And like I said before, I think in the very very first show is some things I found to work well, and some things I found didn't work well, mm-hmm. right? And 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 this idea of meeting people where they are, not judging them from afar, mm-hmm. right? But 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 walking along with them and being close to them and gaining their trust. So that they could like, you know what? I'm willing to walk with you. I will walk a few steps with you, 
um, to, uh, because I trust you. And it doesn't sound like you're just trying to have a victory that you're going to, congratulations, uh, here's another, I'm, a, I'm one of your little trophies, and then you, you cast me aside. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to follow you if right. I feel like I'm, I'm a, a trophy, right, or, or a poster child, or, or the, the, I'm not going to be that because I have a life. Right, and every life is precious, and this idea that you would use someone would be horrible. Right, but sometimes evangeliz- evangelization becomes, you know, winning victories and and prizes and proving people wrong and and winning debates, and that's not. I, I just don't think that stuff lasts. It may be a flash in the pan, mm-hmm. but ultimately. That journeying is what's important, I think, and one of the reasons why I think we have to journey with people, uh, so we'll walk with them or accompany them along the journey, is because, you know, the devil hates this kind of spiritual progress, and so as soon as you convince somebody they should be walking in a certain direction, if you're not there with them, I think the devil sends an onslaught of demonic presence of of everything that can trip that person up. I agree with that. And and if we're not there to kind of help that process, because you know, two heads, two hands, two hearts, two bodies, two uh, you know, I guess it'd be four hands. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. But you know, two of you are are more capable of of like sort of pushing through whatever obstacles seem mm-hmm. to present themselves than than a person by themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't ever want to invite somebody on a journey and then like ignore them. Right. Right. So this idea of of you you, you know you say I, I'm a I'm a close friend of so and so. When's the last talk, time you talked to him? Probably about six seven years ago. It's like mm-hmm. well you're not really a close friend. Right. And so this thing it reminds me also of. Uh, you know, Tom, we've been through the Curcio. Did you uh, go through the, the Curcio mantra? Sam? I did go through Curcio. Awesome. Yeah, that, that, that's... Make that. a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. Right, so don't bother trying to bring a friend to Christ right. until you've been a friend. Right. So that it implies that there's a journey there, and there's a little bit of time, there's a building of trust and relationship. So you make that friend, but you don't just bring them to Christ. You make a friend, and you have to be a friend. Right. And once you are that friend, then you start saying like, hey, let's talk about this, let's talk about that. You trust me, don't you? You know that I love you, right? Mm-hmm. Well... Will you listen to me about this thing? They will. Yeah. Well, because you're then relating to last week's show, you're then wanting to introduce them to your friend, Jesus. Right. No, exactly right. It's a relational thing, right? And and this idea, there's another old adage, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I mean, it's like, right. so just the idea of like, oh, hey, there, here's the, here's the answer. The answer is this, to all your problems. It's right here. They're not going to accept it. They're not going to receive it. Some of them, if they were in that, I'm jokingly saying, but the snowflake culture, you know, are going to be offended that you would even point out their problems and their issues, mm-hmm. right? So the reality is you've got to build that relationship. And only then, if the horse trusts you, <laughs> will they drink of the water mm-hmm. for their betterment, for their, for their refreshment, right? Mm-hmm. And so not knowing that uh, can be um, fatal in your attempt to evangelize, right. to share that great truth. Tom, during our break, which you have your best ideas in our break, um, you actually mentioned being genuine. What do well, you I mean by that? Oh, I think that's the key. I think if you're if you're trying to evangelize to win an argument, like we talked about earlier, or you know defeat somebody, I think I think you're in it for the wrong reason. I think you need to be a genuine friend if you're going to be a, be a friend and bring a friend to Christ. And that your thoughts are genuine, right? Right. Um, I, I mean, I, I know we've all encountered people who aren't genuine oh yeah 
I mean, and it's like people can smell that a mile away. Yeah, and you know what? The funny thing is, you can speak the truth mm-hmm. and be disingenuous. Oh, you yeah. can speak the truth and not be trusted. You can speak mm-hmm. the truth and and no one wants to hear it. Even if you can be right, as right as rain, you can read you can read the Bible out loud and and no one wants to follow you. Right. Until they realize that wait, there's a genuine there's the spirit's alive in that person yeah. there. There's a genuine friendship or care right. for me as a person, as a human being. And I've also found sometimes in meeting people where they are that that uh, sometimes it's not about you initiating the contact. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about you being open to the contact being initiated. I, I can't tell you the number of times that people have come up to me and said, are you some kind of preacher or something? Um, <laughs> one time that happened at the bowling alley of all places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know there's a lot of sinners in the bowling alley, don't we? Yes. Because um, I'm there. But I was there, and I wasn't wearing any clerical garb, you know. And someone said, you know, there's something about you. your you. bowling shirt on. I did, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, the lady asked me, she's like, are you a preacher or, or something? And I said, well, I mean, I don't know how you, if you'd call me a preacher, but, but I am spiritual, and, and this is what I believe and whatever. She goes, you know. I said, what makes you say that? She goes, like, I don't know. You just always seem to be happy. Like you're you're telling jokes, you you seem to be a pleasant person, and there seems to be some kind of joy. I just recognize that, and I'm thinking, see, that's that's, that's what cool. people pick up on, and so you can evangelize in that situation, just because you're living a genuine life. Right, you're living the life that that God was calling you to live, and that that's a that's a powerful thing. They want a piece of that joy that they see. Amen. You know, and theoretically, joy is something you can share mm-hmm. and not lose any mm-hmm. of it. Right. Um, and you, uh, Sam, had mentioned this idea of being vulnerable. What do you mean by that? Oh, just making sure that you open up to, with them about your own struggles. It's mm-hmm. more relatable for them to hear that you have a tough time than for you to talk about how you have your life all figured out because you met Jesus. Right. Um, that's And sometimes it could require some humility on our part to really open up and be vulnerable and share stuff that might make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, in order to be more relatable. Yeah, so pray about that, uh, and not on the first date, the first opportunity. You don't tell them everything, right? But the reality is you want to be a witness. You want to be a model for these people. And if they see in you a vulnerability, a willingness to change, to be transformed, you tell them your witness story, it's amazing what people will, uh, how they'll respond uh, to that. So, so meet people where they are, uh, journey with them to where they are called to be, and believe me, trust me, everyone is called. Every single person is called, and you can be part of God's plan of salvation for that person if you meet them where they are. Amen. So also, uh, someone who doesn't judge us and someone who loves us is Mary. Mm-hmm. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.